starts off in a different location. Uh, for quite a long time, I'd lived in Savannah, Georgia. Beautiful city. Uh, Savannah, Georgia has a huge haunted history. It is one of the most haunted cities in America. Every building there has a story. Uh, if you've never been to Savannah, picture a grid pattern. Kind of like a checkerboard and every square is a park. The lines around the squares are the roads, and those roads are lined with houses. Savannah, Georgia was founded in 1733. It has a big river runs through it, and has a river walk. The Savannah River itself, at one point in time, was dammed up and had to be dug by hand to make it wider because originally the river was only 12 feet deep and about 15 to 16 feet wide at its widest part. Well, if you look at it now, it looks like a tributary off the Mississippi. It's, it's a good-sized river. But anyway, back to where I was going with this story. There's many accounts I could tell you about Savannah, Georgia, and if you live there, you immerse yourself in it. The history alone of the paranormal experiences that a lot of people have there is it's, it's actually amazing. But uh, I'm going to tell you about a story from the first time we went to a very specific, very special restaurant in that town. The name of the restaurant was the Pink House. It's still there today. Uh, it is uh, kind of a, a fancy place to eat, but it's well, well worth it. The, the, the ambience of the home. There's actually two sections of the restaurant. You have an upstairs, which is very formal dining. I would call it more formal than where I usually ate. I usually ate in the basement. 
and the <laughs> the basement area was uh, more of the tavern. Um, it is called the Pink House because it is a very specific color that you can only really find in Savannah. It's called Savannah Rose, and it is a when it's painted, it's, it's brand new. It's a very vibrant pink, not so much a Barbie pink, but a very vibrant, almost flamingo-esque pink. But as it fades, it gets a whitish, pinkish color to it. it. It fades very well. It was a very expensive color in its day. So it has a very unique look. So this home was built in 1771. It was a brick home covered with a very thick plaster. As I said, pink in color. A Georgian standard two-story mansion with an attic and a basement, if you will. Now, this this home was originally owned by James Habersham, Jr. Now, the Habersham name is a very predominant name in Savannah. You'll notice streets and buildings and things named and coincide with the family, the Habersham family. It's a very elegant, romantic type of place to eat. Even in the tavern itself, it has a specific quality to it that it's... Uh, it's darker, it's candles on the table, it's, you feel like you're going to be uh, sitting there drinking with pirates and just eating better food than you're used to, you know. Cloth covered uh, tables, uh, you know, it's, it's a very intimate type of dining setting. So when you get there, on the one side, you have steep wooden steps that lead down to a very nice piano bar. Very round tables in there and uh, as I said, it's just a very comfortable, relaxing, sitting atmosphere. There's a, a couple regular chairs and some couches in a living room-like setting. There's a huge fireplace and a piano with a piano player, usually uh, just making some soft background music for you to enjoy. So, James Habersham Jr. was one of the three sons of a colonial planter and cotton merchant. James Sr., a pillar of Savannah society, who was ardent loyalist and driving force to get the ban on slavery lifted in Georgia. Imagine his deep disappointment and how his heart must have broken when his three sons decided to side with the colonial patriot cause. They were involved with submersive organizations such as the Sons of Liberty and fought against England in the upcoming Revolutionary War. He died very disappointed uh, and not on good terms with his uh, sons. Um, he felt that at least they weren't afraid to fight, but he just felt they were on the wrong side. Uh, so family events in that home, and there must have been a lot of anger and animosity, and it must have passed through those walls on political topics for that family. Now, James Jr. became a hero during the Revolutionary War and rose to the rank of major in the colonel's army. His brother Joseph gained fame as one of the men who marched into the governor's mansion and arrested the British governor, Sir James, on January 18, 1776. Major turning point in the Revolutionary War. James Jr. was married and also had three sons, which he raised in his beloved mansion, which is now the Pink House, that he was very, very fond of. His open-door policy and southern hospitality was known all over. People would come to his home and his wife and 
would make the most amazing dinners and as it is now this home carries that same tradition. Now having a long history as a southern hospitality hotspot, having a history of amazing food, this home was in the midst of a big change in the country. The influx of uh, slave labor, Irish, African, Haitian, they all came through Savannah. And because of his prominence and the family's prominence in that home, uh, political arguments would heat up, uh, personal things would happen. These type of things tend to lead to heated arguments and uh, at that time uh, duels and uh, deaths were very common uh, inside and just outside the home. Now in saying that, let me get into the story that I remember uh, the uh, first and many times that I've eaten at the restaurant uh, with friends and family. But this particular incident, um, it was, it was, it solidified to me how haunted this town really is. It was, I believe, just a typical day of the week. And it was probably around 6.30. No, no, it was probably later. We usually ate around 7.30, 8 o'clock. Uh, we decided to go to the pink house. Um, but um, we were not, you know, we were in college. You know, we weren't dressed for high society. So we decided to go down to the tavern. Um, so uh, first time in there, we're going down these skinny steps uh, into the bottom basement door. And you open it up and it is just a dark and, you know, it, it just, with the candlelight, that's the only, there were a couple bulbs over the bar area, which was to the left when you walked in, but, uh, and to the right on the far wall was this great big fireplace. It was a, it was lit, it was beautiful. That probably helped keep a lot of the moisture out of the basement where you were sitting but we sat at a table along the back wall facing each other having a nice conversation uh, it was early uh, for savannah standards or dinner time so uh, we were uh, just us um, i think there might have been another couple in there and one person sitting at the bar so i was with uh with my wife at the time and uh, we're sitting there and you could feel like somebody was around you. It, it could have been just the atmosphere of the room, so we were just kind of playing it off. But uh, what was interesting was um, we ordered our food and talking, and I kept glancing over to my right-hand side. Um, to my right was the piano, and it kept looking like there was something under the piano every once in a while and I couldn't figure out what it was and I'd, I'd look and it wasn't there and then I'd look away and I could just kind of flash I could kind of see it out of the corner of my eye my wife looked at me and said you're seeing that too right and I said I'm seeing something but I can't figure out what it is so when the waitress came back to uh, refill our drinks I asked her, I said, do you have a dog or a cat in here by chance? Not that we have a problem with animals. I was just curious, trying to figure out what I'm seeing. And the lady kind of smiled. She said, uh, what does it look like? 
And I said, well, it, it kind of looks like something crawling on the floor. That's the reason I thought it was a dog or cat. But I keep seeing it every once in a while over behind, the, like under the piano, like it's part behind the leg and part isn't behind the leg. And she said, well, we have uh, quite a few spirits here at the Pink House. Um, and you're seeing uh, possibly uh, one of them right now. Uh, we've been noticing it all day since we've got here this morning. Um, I went and I just kind of looked surprised that someone would talk to you so plainly about seeing an apparition. Um, it was kind of a, a nice change of pace. One of the reasons why I like Savannah so much, it's just second nature. So she went back and she got our drinks. And then since it wasn't that busy, she sat down with us at the table. And she started telling us a few of the stories. Uh, she said that, uh, as you can see, we have the piano player. When they're not here, usually, the piano has a tendency of banging out a couple notes by itself. Uh, they did have a uh, piano player shot. Uh, it was a turbulent time, 20s, things like that. Um, but what we were most likely seeing were, uh, out of the corner of our eye, were these children that are known to run around the basement. Uh, they were um, slave children. Um, they liked to throw dice against the wall, she said, uh, hang out in the hallways and in the bathroom. So uh, if it feels like someone's staring at you and you're in the bathroom, don't be alarmed. And I was like, well, how, you know, come on. Everybody's going to be alarmed if you feel like someone's staring at you in the bathroom. The children used to take uh, wine bottles out of the different places behind the bar and hide them when the bartender was trying to look for them. Um, glasses would stay extra cool on the on the counters. Uh, even if they weren't chilled, they would get an icy touch to them. And they also were kind of mischievous. Why? Because they're kids and they like to play tricks on everybody. She told me to uh, let the waitress know if my wife was going to use the restroom because sometimes the entity liked to lock the women in the bathroom. Uh, so management uh, eventually, later on, after this conversation, they did take the lock off the bathroom door and just put a little, little latch like a little hook latch on it, uh, which uh, kind of helped the problem out, but yet sometimes uh, before you would uh, get back out of the door, you'd take the latch off the door to open the door, the latch would come back down and lock you back in, so you would just kind of stop in place again. It was also known that sometimes the entity would be on the other side of the door and not allow people to push the door open. I thought such a strange story to have with a waitress. So she got up and um, said our food would be out shortly. So we're sitting there talking and my wife looked at me and said, um, what are you doing? And I said, I, what do you mean what am I doing? She says, are we playing footsies now? You know, under the table? Are you kicking me? What's going on? And I said, Amy, I'm not even touching you. And at that moment, we both heard a giggle. 
and it was a little laugh of a little girl. So Amy slowly stood up and looked under the table. She said, this is very bizarre. I know somebody just grabbed my ankle. I said, well, it wasn't me. So we sat down and we had the idea that and thought that maybe if we just offer them to sit at the table, everything would be fine. So that's what we did. I pulled over another chair at the end of the table and Amy decided to ask the little girl to sit at the table and we'd get her something. So we had little bread plates and we put, uh, we broke open a, a roll and buttered it and put a couple little things on the table couple green beans, you know, when we got our food and everything like that. Of course, the entity didn't eat the food. But the entire time we were able to have a peaceful dinner without any other problems. But we did notice that the tablecloth on that side of the table would be bunched up a little bit. Kind of like if you sat down and and the top of the tablecloth would move as your legs swung in. It would make that swirl on the, on the top of the table. We heard a few other little giggles. Uh, some other unaudible, well, barely audible uh, noises. But it, it seemed to be that we kind of appeased that spirit by offering it a place at our table. When the waitress came back, we, we told her what we were doing, and she said we were the first people to ever do that. And she thought that was actually pretty neat, pretty interesting that we would do something like that. Well, she started talking to us about a few of the other stories uh, that had happened there. Uh, one that uh, seemed to be uh, James Habersham Jr., uh, a local resident had stopped by the basement tavern for beer after work, and he saw a solid, regular-looking gentleman, dressed in a Revolutionary-era uniform, sitting at the end of the bar with a drink in his hand. We have a lot of reenactors in Savannah, a lot of people that walk around town in costume, so it really wasn't... people didn't think it twice about it. Just thinking it was a person that they hired to provide atmosphere for the bar, he caught the gentleman's eye, smiled, and raised his beer in a toast, as we usually do. The gentleman smiled and did the same with his drink. Taking his eyes off the gentleman for just a moment, the local resident commented to the bartender about the gentleman's attire and thought it was such an amazing thing that they would do that to create that type of atmosphere in their restaurant. The bartender said, what man? The local resident turned and looked, and the man was gone. Apparently, he had never been there. The waitress said the same night earlier, uh, the apparition of James Habersham Jr. Uh, had been spotted. Uh, he always seemed to pop up when they started putting the candles on the table. Apparently, he loved that idea. And it, it was great because it created such an interesting air about the room. 
After putting all the candles out on the table that evening, a waiter turned his back for a moment, continuing to do his opening duties, and when he turned back, all the candles on the table had quickly lit by an unseen presence. He hadn't had time to light them yet, but there they were, burning bright on the table. That same evening, that waiter, at the end of his shift, went down to remove the candles and put them back behind the bar. And as he walked into the room, a cool breeze came across, and all the candles, at the same time, went out, as if to help him close up for the evening. We were also told that the apparition of James Habersham's grandson, a man around 60 years old at the time when he passed, has been known to appear in solid form, order, and appear to pay for a beer down in the basement. He then walks down the sidewalk close to the cemetery and disappears into the Button family monument where he is buried. He doesn't go in there because he was married to somebody in the Buttons family. He was put there by the grace of the family because his own family monument was full. Another time we were there at the restaurant, um, it was more of a, a passing encounter that uh, caught our attention because we did get to experience the piano playing a few notes by itself. Uh, there's no reason for it to do so. It is not a player-type you know, player piano. Just your average run-of-the-mill piano. Uh, but the look of the people, if you're local there and you get familiar with it, it it's it, you don't even blink at it anymore. You just kind of sit there and go, oh, oh cool, we, we got graced with the presence, you know. It's kind of a neat feeling. But when the place is full of tourists, it's a completely different type of feeling. It's actually kind of fun to watch people's faces try to figure out what in the world is going on. And then, of course, these stories start to fly. Um, it's not uncommon for people just to leave their table and sit with somebody else and ask them questions and it's kind of an, uh, a nice, open, well, southern-type hospitality thing to do, isn't it? It's make friends, not enemies, and no one's a stranger when you're in Savannah. That's the way it's, it should be, I think. Uh, the idea of being open to uh, these stories and these spirits is, uh, is, I think, a better way of living than trying to be closed off and have your do not disturb sign hanging on your life. Uh, if you get the time to go to Savannah, Georgia, I would highly recommend it. Uh, there's countless places, countless. Uh, the Oglethorpe Brewing Company, the Pirate's House, the cemetery itself, the old candy company, uh, the stories of the streets and the bricks and, and Jones Street and River Street and 
so much tragedy and uh, has happened in that town over the years. Uh, a huge yellow fever epidemic. Uh, people just roam. It's a, it's, a, it's a town that's kind of like a vortex when it comes to paranormal activity. You, you have to be comfortable with it. If you're terrified, every little thing is going to bother you. But if you're open, you're going to have an amazing experience in that town. I guarantee it. Just sitting in a park, looking around uh, to know the history. Uh, a lot of those parks were used for hangings. We're talking a, a, a very violent time in American history, and a lot happened in Savannah, Georgia, the first city of Georgia. Uh, it's actually considered uh, a New Orleans sister city. Um, there's a huge story with General Oglethorpe uh, uh, and, uh, of course, New Orleans, known for... Uh, Lafayette, uh, th these men were men of power. They all knew each other. They all mingled in the same circles. Um, but a huge military history as well. At one point in time, the Northern Army occupied Savannah. Uh, and one of the stories there is, uh, and you'll see as you go through the cemetery, a lot of bullet holes and bullet ricochets off of headstones and a lot of damage was done to the, the city cemetery from the Union soldiers um, which caused a lot of angry spirits too to get up and kind of haunt the town so uh, those old grudges may still be around but there's a lot of characters and, and uh, personal histories that you can read up on about Savannah but Definitely, the Pink House is a place to go if you want some sort of feeling like you're part of a bygone era. You want to eat amazing food and you want to sit and help a little girl maybe enjoy a dinner that probably died about a hundred so years ago. It was an overwhelming calm that came over us when we did that. And we just felt good about the evening. So I would recommend doing the same thing. When you sit down to have that meal, set a little place beside you for someone who may want to join you. And be open. Just be open to the possibility that they're sitting there right beside you. I think that's the trick when dealing with ghosts. I think the trick is not provoking the spirits. I'm not a provoker when it comes to dealing with the spirits. If they don't want to talk to me, I have no right to make them talk to me. You see a lot of times on those ghost hunting TV shows where they they constantly provoke the spirits, but it's not necessary. If you open your hand to a lot of them, they'll grab onto it in an act of love and friendliness. 
You know, it's... You don't have to be mean to a spirit. Because, you know, you really, really don't want that spirit to be mean back at you. And a lot of times, places that are investigated, as I found out in the past, the more investigations that happen in a specific location can really annoy a ghost. Especially, I mean, not so much residual haunts, but the intelligent haunts, they will be extremely annoyed as time goes on. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, you have to remember these were living people at one point in time. They share the same emotions, the same life experiences as a lot of people. If you were sitting in a room, in your home, by yourself, and just random people started walking through your living room, telling you to do stuff, move this, do this, pick this up, after a while you would get extremely annoyed. You'd want them out of your home. So you're building up this anger, you're building up this energy, and at some point in time it will release. And you may not like the outcome. So keep that in mind next time you're on a ghost hunt. Next time you're traveling to a haunted location. Be friendly. Be respectful. And be open. So on that note, I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Paranormal Conclave. And my little story about Savannah, Georgia. And the Pink House. Join me next time. And as always, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Paranormal Conclave. Join us next time for another haunting discussion things outside our normal realm of reality and thinking. Paranormal.